0: Snuff Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Monday, August 23. I'm Tom Tilly, and if you've survived another weekend in lockdown in Victoria or New South Wales, then hope you're doing okay. To the rest of the country, hope you enjoyed your freedoms over the weekend. Uh, In this episode of The Briefing, the case against Prince Andrew, he's being sued by Virginia Dufresne, and we'll explain how this civil case could play out for the royal accused of sexual abuse.
1: I think that the royal family, after seeing what happened with the Glenn Maxwell litigation in 2015, and how the fight to hush it up in the end did not work would keep that in mind if they went that route that the genie is very hard to keep stashed in the bottle in 2021 despite a lot of effort to keep it that way
0: that's today's briefing in the second half of the podcast in the first half we'll bring you the big stories of today annika smethurst is here hey annika
2: Hey Tom, WA Premier Mark McGowan says New South Wales is letting down the entire country in managing its COVID crisis.
1: Victoria is doing everything it can to crush and kill the virus. The ACT is doing everything it can to crush and kill the virus. New Zealand is doing everything it can to crush and kill the virus. It's only New South Wales that is not. They're letting down the entire country, the New South Wales government.
0: Meanwhile, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison's pushed back on that position, calling on premiers to stick to the agreement to end blanket lockdowns once we hit our vaccination targets. Once you get over 70%, and particularly over 80%, lockdowns do more harm than good. Lockdowns are not a sustainable way to deal with the virus and that's why we have to get to those 70 and 80% marks so we can start living with the virus. So Annika, it sounds like the Prime Minister's got a, a tough fight on his hands here trying to wrangle the premiers who have very different positions on how they're going to respond once we hit our vaccination targets.
2: They certainly do, Tom. Look, over the weekend we saw uh, New South Wales, Gladys in there saying that There might be, you know, a little bit of room on zero COVID. That isn't necessarily the aim. She didn't even say low COVID was the aim. And she said there was a recognition amongst other premiers that this was now the case. Well, I was immediately asked to ask Daniel Andrews about this. And being one of those Labor premiers, he took the stance of Mark McGowan saying that, no, the agreement we've all come to is either no cases or zero cases. And that's what that modelling was based on, that 70 to 80%. And it seems he's been backed in now by Queensland as well.
0: So do we know what the Doherty modelling was based on? Was it based on relaxing freedoms from a zero COVID point of view? Or does the modelling still hold if we have, you know, several hundred cases or even a few thousand?
2: Well, they've asked for new modelling, which will come to National Cabinet this week, which makes you think that perhaps they're looking at a higher number and that that wasn't necessarily the case the first time. That's definitely what Daniel Andrews and the Labor states are saying, that they've requested an update in terms of this modelling based on if it's going to be achievable to still have heaps and heaps of cases every day and come out of lockdowns when 70 to 80% of people are vaccinated or whether we need to get it down to low or zero COVID And wait for those vaccinations to come up. Um, That's definitely the position of Daniel Andrews, Mark McGowan and increasingly Queensland too. So Gladys Berejiklian did thank those premiers saying they had come to some sort of understanding about this, Mm. but it seems they might be on different pages.
0: Wow, I I just don't get it. It seems like those Labor premiers are ignoring the experience of so many other countries around the world.
2: I think when it comes to at least Victoria, their experience down here, what happened in 2020 just puts them in a different category. Donut days were always seen as such an important thing and they're really sticking to that policy.
0: Meanwhile, new COVID restrictions are coming in in New South Wales this morning. Everyone's required to wear a mask outside of their homes now, except when exercising, uh, and even Bunnings, has essentially closed except to tradies. Then that also comes with a curfew in those 12 LGAs of concern, 9pm till 5am, much like Melbourne had last year.
2: Yeah, regional New South Wales will remain under lockdown until at least August 28. Greater Sydney, Wollongong, Newcastle and the Central Coast will be in lockdown until the end of September. New South Wales reported the country's highest number of new cases of COVID in one day on the weekend, with 830 infections announced yesterday. From today, there will also be tighter restrictions for Victorians after regional areas were plunged into lockdown with just two hours' notice on the weekend.
0: And there were anti-lockdown protests across three states over the weekend. Approximately 2,000 protests had gathered on the Queensland-New South Wales border, calling on the Palaszczuk government to open the border. Eight people were arrested and 54 fines were issued.
2: On Saturday, there were violent scenes in Melbourne where more than 4,000 protesters took to the CBD streets. Nine police were injured and 218 people were arrested.
0: Yeah, sounds absolutely hectic. Victorian Police Chief Commissioner Shane Patton said it was the most violent protest he'd seen in 20 years and that the violence came from one group in particular.
3: The vast majority, by and large, I've been briefed were men, 25 to 40, angry men. Men who came in with intent to cause trouble and to attack police. So,
0: Annika, what did you make of that protest on Melbourne streets?
2: I worked on Saturday and I popped into the city just before the protest to go to the Daily Dan press conference and there was a real weird mood in the air. Police everywhere, uh, a lot of things shut down. It felt like sort of the end of the world was coming. You knew something big was brewing. But Seeing those scenes later that night were just mm. incredible. Um So many people, they didn't seem to be particularly organised too. I'm really pro people if they want to protest. I think everybody deserves to have a voice. I, I don't necessarily agree with what they're saying, but we shouldn't stop people having that right. But they didn't seem to be, I guess, collective in what they were fighting mm. for. There were definitely people there that just want to go back to work and get their lives in order. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there's sort of people that are anti-vax and 5G conspiracy theorists. And there did seem to be a split, and it obviously turned really, really violent too, which nobody wants to see.
0: Over 300 Australians and Afghan visa holders were evacuated out of Afghanistan over the weekend as a further four Australian RAAF flights landed in Kabul on Saturday night.
2: More than 550 people have now been evacuated from the country on Australian flights since August 18. The situation at Kabul airport remains chaotic though, with the US embassy urging their citizens to avoid travelling to the airport because of the security threat.
0: Yeah, the safety warnings were issued as thousands of people flocked to the airport over the weekend in a desperate attempt to get out of the country. Annika, will catch you tomorrow. Katrina Blaus is about to join us as we look at the civil case against Prince Andrew. I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever.
2: You
3: don't remember meeting her? No.
0: Well, Katrina Blowers, that has to be one of the most famous interviews of all time, right?
3: Yeah, who could forget that? Prince Andrew being interviewed by the BBC in 2019 about his relationship with the late convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein and allegations about sex with a teenage girl. She was very specific about that night. Mm. She described dancing with
2: you and you profusely sweating and that she went on to have...
1: Bath, there's, a, there's, possibly... a, there's a
2: slight problem with with, 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 with the sweating um, because uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition which is that I don't sweat, um, or I didn't sweat at the time. And that was... Oh, actually, yes. I didn't sweat at the time because I um, ha- had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at. Uh, and I simply, it, it was, it was, it was almost impossible for me to, to to sweat.
0: One of the most bizarre excuses of all time, there from Prince Andrew. The girl that they're talking about, of course, is Virginia Dufresne. She's originally from Florida. She's now thirty-eight and lives in Australia. And she's suing Prince Andrew in a civil suit filed in Manhattan. That was filed earlier this month and it claimed that she was forced to have sex with Prince Andrew on three occasions when she was 17 at properties owned by Jeffrey Epstein.
3: So I guess before we go further, we just want to explain how a civil case is different from a criminal case. So while a criminal case is filed by the state, usually after a police investigation, a civil case is filed by a private party. It involves a damages payout instead of jail, but both are heard by a judge and jury.
0: So in the case of sexual assault, um, these civil cases are much more common in America and there've been some massive settlements for some very famous people. Marilyn Manson, Bill Cosby, Kobe Bryant have all settled civil cases around sexual assault allegations. So in this episode of The Briefing, we're going to dig right into this Virginia Dufresne civil case and what it means for Prince Andrew and the broader investigation. So let's get into it and see how it's all going to play out.
3: Adam Classfeld is a legal reporter in the US. He reports for the Law and Crime publication. He also hosts the Objections podcast.
0: Adam, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. Will this civil case get to test a lot of the same questions that Prince Andrew was asked in that BBC interview?
1: Well, as a matter of fact, Tom, the new lawsuit uh, filed against Prince Andrew explicitly mentions that BBC interview. And one thing to keep in mind, it's uh, obviously brought by Virginia Giuffre. Virginia Giuffre is the same person who filed a civil lawsuit against Glenn Maxwell, which really caused the Jeffrey Epstein saga to blow out of the water, that essentially this was the case that led to a civil settlement where broad swaths of the court record were for a long time sealed until this high-profile open records battle brought a lot of this information to the public domain and in more ways than one really precipitated Glenn Maxwell's trial. So listeners who are looking for some sort of guideposts for how this could pan out might want to look at the Glenn Maxwell uh, litigation to see how it might go, because this was by the same plaintiff in the same court. When was that? That was filed by Virginia Giuffre in 2015. And it was settled a couple of years later. And the open records battle came to a head in 2019, where the Miami Herald, the same publication that had a watershed investigation, Perversion of Justice, won a significant court ruling in a New York federal appeals court that led to the disclosure of thousands of pages. The Miami Herald's work both in court and in their investigation has been widely credited with bringing about the prosecutions of Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Maxwell.
3: Now we don't have these civil court proceedings uh, that deal with sexual assault in the same way that you do in America. Can you give us a bit of a broad picture of how important they've been in seeking justice for sexual assault and also some of the more high profile civil cases that America's
1: seen? Absolutely. Well, right now we are seeing a proliferation of these cases for a very specific reason. In 2019, around the height of press attention and the revival of interest in the Jeffrey Epstein case, there was a movement to allow alleged victims of childhood sexual abuse to file civil actions in court that may otherwise not have been possible with the statute of limitations. So New York passed a law known as the Child Victims Act. That law basically extended the statute of limitations one year and it was extended again so an interesting thing about this case with prince andrew the lawsuit explicitly mentions the child victims act in establishing the why it's timely and it is part of a flood of cases that have come about that may not have otherwise been possible under the statute of limitations and have been coming about and just ended, just expired this past week.
0: So what's the purpose and the strategy with a civil case like this? We mentioned the settlements from people like Marilyn Manson, Bill Cosby, Kobe Bryant in the past. Are the victims usually, have they potentially struggled to get a criminal case up, or is this done in parallel, or is there often an interplay between the two like those examples you've given before?
1: Well, there can be a variety of relief. Sometimes it's the trying to get compensation for psychological damage, physical damage. Victims of childhood sexual abuse can seek civil litigation for any number of reasons. Whether they feel that a certain criminal plea deal did wronged the victims, they might choose that avenue to... Mm-hmm. Attack that agreement. Uh, they might seek civil compensation or they might bring attention to their allegations that might spark other civil or criminal action. Mm-hmm. I will note uh, we just passed the two year anniversary of Jeffrey Epstein's death. His estate had announced, in you know, timing it along with the second anniversary of his death the settlement of more than $100 million in civil damages to the victims.
3: So where is this particular civil action, the one brought by Virginia Dufresne, where's that one likely to go? Could it, in fact, force Prince Andrew to testify in court or see some of his staff from that time give evidence?
1: Well, it depends on how much Prince Andrew decides to essentially take part in this litigation? Will he try to avoid participating in it? Right now, it's been docketed. Presumably, they are trying to be service of the lawsuit. We'll see how it happens. This could lead to a deposition. It led to a deposition in the case of the Glenn Maxwell case.
0: What does deposition mean in that context? And I understand they don't have the power to extradite him in a civil proceeding.
1: So this is in the Southern District of New York. The U.S. Attorney's Office from the Southern District of New York quite famously said that Prince Andrew had been uncooperative. And it's pretty extraordinary for federal prosecutors to say that someone who has not been charged with any offenses, accused of any offenses— hasn't been cooperating in investigation. It's even more extraordinary for them to hold a press conference about Mm. that, as they did, to release a press statement, as they did when the person in question is Prince Andrew. Virginia Giuffre made sure to mention the prosecutor's remarks in her civil complaint. So
0: that statement, that was in relation
1: to a parallel
0: criminal investigation into what happened?
1: Yes. As a matter of fact, the uh, exact quote and the thing that Virginia Giuffre quoted in her lawsuit was former U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman going out of the way to say that Prince Andrew provided, quote, zero cooperation, end quote, with U.S. prosecutors and the FBI in the Epstein inquiry. They were contacting him for reasons that they did not specify relating to the Epstein case, and they said that he hasn't been cooperative. It's extraordinary for federal prosecutors to say that a public person who is not accused of wrongdoing, who's not accused of a crime, has been uncooperative.
3: If Prince Andrew doesn't cooperate with this upcoming civil trial and doesn't chooses not to participate, it's usually with a jury and a judge, right? So, do they then go to the issue of of a settlement, or can he then choose to settle out of court?
1: If there is not participation from Prince Andrew, it's possible in many proceedings when someone who is a defendant doesn't show up in court, there is a default judgment against the person who didn't show. So that's one potential outcome. This could always go to a settlement if he did participate in the proceedings. That's exactly what happened in the Glenn Maxwell route. That's why a broad swath of the court record was sealed, because it was a confidential settlement when that happened. So there are many different possible outcomes with how this could pan out.
0: So just to boil that all down, is it possible that the royal family could spend their way out of this, pay her a massive settlement and make it much harder for the public to learn any more about the allegations and the evidence at the centre of this?
1: I would put it this way. I think that the royal family, after seeing what happened with the Glenn Maxwell litigation in 2015 and how the fight to hush it up, in the end, did not work and Mm. everything did go out would keep that in mind if they went that route, that the genie is very hard to keep stashed in the bottle in 2021, despite a lot of effort to keep it that way.
3: And I guess we've talked a little bit about the Ghislaine Maxwell criminal trial. When does that commence and how do you think that that will impact Prince Andrew and uh, that civil case?
1: Well, that will go to head in November. And of course, one of the most famous pictures of Virginia Giuffre and Prince Andrew was in Glenn Maxwell's house in London with her in the background. That is a picture that is embedded in Virginia Giuffre's lawsuit. So I wouldn't be surprised if the juries see that photograph during the trial and if they learn a little bit more about the background and about what Virginia Jufre says happened in that London home at that time.
0: That was Adam Klassfeld, a legal reporter for Law and Crime in America. And check out his podcast. It's called Objections. There's so many fascinating legal stories and as we just heard, he's he's very careful about the way he explains them because they're yeah. they're so complex but so fascinating. But I think to really sort of cut to the chase, Katrina, he's saying that there won't be an easy way for Prince Andrew and the royal family just to shut this civil case down with their money mm-hmm. and it may end up impacting the criminal investigations or proceedings as well, but that won't happen in time for the Ghislaine Maxwell criminal trial, which is going to start in November, which yeah. is where we may learn a whole bunch of new incriminating information.
3: It's going to be huge and definitely
0: going to be one to watch. Tomorrow on The Briefing, an incredible story from a Paralympian about to compete in Tokyo.
3: Listener